has worked on my heart, and I'm telling you the truth tonight, God has perfectly, I mean perfectly aligned everything up just as he'd see fit uh, tonight. So Revelation chapter number 2, Revelation chapter number 2, we have been studying the series through the book of Revelation, and we are in our fourth sermon or message um, through that book, and uh, it has been a tremendous time this far, but the Lord's not done, and uh, we need His help this evening. On Sunday night, we were able to finish up chapter number one, and now this evening we will begin chapter number two. If you can enable, we'll stand and reverence the Word of God. Uh, you do not have to, but we, we can always reverence the Word of God sitting down too. But we're thankful to be able to stand and reverence His blessed and holy Word. Revelation chapter number 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in the right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles and are not, hast found them liars, and hast borne, and, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent, do the first works, or else I will come unto thee. Quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give the eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Thank you so much for standing and be seated, Lord. We pray you'd bless this tonight. Pray God you to use me, Lord, use my mouth as nothing but a vessel of honor unto you, Lord, and that you would gain glory from all things that are said and done tonight. Lord, we thank you so much for the missionary family that has come and obeyed the Lord tonight, Lord, and given us what was on their heart. We thank you for that tonight, Lord, we're forever thankful for that. We pray God you'd move in the midst of us tonight, Lord, where the Word of God is, where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. We pray, God, you give liberty tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin chapter number 2 of the book of Revelation, we have, uh, beginning in these verses here that we have read this evening, chapter um, chapter 2, verse 1 through chapter 7, we understand that in verse number 19 of chapter number 1, he says, Write down these things which thou hast seen, uh, the things uh, which are... And the things which shall be are, and let me turn back there and read it to you to be exactly, write down the things which I've seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And so um, these are the things that are beginning to take place as he's going through this. And uh, um, to he is beginning in these verses with the first church that is mentioned out of the seven. Uh, and this first church is the church of Ephesus. Uh, and according to verse number 1, he is writing unto the angel of the church uh, of Ephesus. And I have already studied in this and I've already told you in this study and mentioned just a little bit that I believe this is 100% the pastor which is in that church uh, of Ephesus there. 
And as we go into this study of the seven churches, just like the most part of the book of Revelations, there's going to be three different views that can be taken as you are going through it. And most of the books of the Bible you can do the same way. And so there's the, obviously the prophetic view, uh, as you can look at it. It might be the Old Testament, or it might be something that Christ said, uh, um, whether it be concerning the kingdom of God, or whatever it may be, our kingdom of heaven. Uh, it could be looked at as a prophetic view. Or you could go on a little farther, and you could look at it in a practical view, uh, and saying that this is literal churches, and they are literal pastors, and literal people, and a literal congregation. Or you could look at it, as some do, as a personal view. Uh, And there's personal views to things. And according to 95% of commentators in which I read, uh, these churches represent all the way uh, from the beginning from Pentecost and all the way throughout to the end and giving it uh, a a prophetical look. Uh, At any point of time, these chapters uh, could be a prophetic look to them. I'm probably not going to preach them in a prophetic aspect. Uh, um, But then they could look practically uh, um, because they were real churches. They were real churches. The church of Ephesus was a real church. The church of Smyrna, the church of Pergamos, the church of Thyatira and Philadelphia and Laodicea. All of them were real, literal churches uh, in that day. And so, and then you could look at it in a personal view and say, hey, this could also speak to you directly. It could. It could speak to you directly. And we must not take away uh, the sword uh, from the Word of God uh, um, because of the direction in which it was written. Uh, It can and it will still apply to you. Uh, And so we must understand that. And according to looking at that, it can have a personal aspect to it. Uh, It might not have been written uh, for you, but it could have been written to you. Uh, And the Lord can use it in your life and in my life. Uh, A lot of times the sharpness of the Word of God is taken away. uh, But it is still sharp two-edged sword uh, and it does cut to the dividing asunders of the soul. Uh, And so God does work in that way. Uh, And so I will not preach much prophetically although I may hit some high notes, uh, but I will be more practical. And guess what? Uh, It's still going to take the Lord to help with that. I'm not smart enough uh, in many ways to preach. I'm not wise enough. Uh, I'm none of those things. It's going to take the Lord to preach the Word of God. It's just as simple as that. Uh, But you may have a guess. i got to lay a backdrop. I'm trying to hurry. Uh, um, but you may have a guess uh, about all of this, about all the sayings of this. And you might even have a solid guess uh, about this. But I am, for one, uh, not exactly sure about the ch- timeline of the church of Ephesus. Uh, I've done quite a bit of study on it. But you cannot just be uh, um, just exactly down to the um, say, down to the exact number about it and, and that sort of stuff. But uh, um, I will say this church is spoken of uh, throughout Scripture more than anything. Any of the seven churches uh, that are spoken of, uh, it's spoken of the most uh, throughout it. So I would say it was probably it was probably around the apostolic, uh, um, the apostolic age and around that time. And Brother Josh could probably give you more on that. Uh, um, but here are a few facts uh, um, concerning the church of Ephesus. The city of Ephesus was a rich city. Uh, it was one of the richest cities uh, that were down in Asia Minor. It was one of those richest, uh, and um, in that it was a very popular 
populated city. Acts chapter 19, you'll find that the god, great goddess of Diana, um, great is the god of Diana and the, of the Ephesians, uh, that she was down uh, from of Ephesus. She was in that part. She was not a real person. She was just a god. Uh, and that's all she was. And it was a little g-god at that. Uh, but she was known to the goddess... Um, to be the goddess of fertility. Uh, and they might have gods in that area um, where they're at over there, little gods over there in uh, um, um, Papua New Guinea. I'm not sure about that, but I know there is many uh, in many different areas from India and so on and so on. Uh, but she was known to be the goddess of fertility. Uh, and history tells us that Ephesus was the home uh, of her temple. Uh, and it was full of wickedness. It was full of perversion. Uh, it was full of immorality. Uh, it was full of all of those things uh, and many say it can be seen uh, that Ephesus was a very immoral place just as just was mentioned and so I know he's not speaking of Ephesus but just as was mentioned speaking of Papua New Guinea and many say that it can be and it was for sure and Paul uh, was sent to Ephesus in Acts 18 through Acts 20 uh, um, chapter 20 of the book of Acts and Paul spent approximately uh, somewhere around two years in the in the city there of Ephesus and uh, um, Timothy was the overseer if you will or bishop uh, of that uh, land for some time uh, and uh, I don't I'm not can't tell you just exactly how long, but he was there and he was the pastor, overseer, whatever you'd say, of that land. And so you can see throughout all of Scripture, there's many that are mentioned there in Ephesus. Aquila, Priscilla, they were in Ephesus. And we can find that Apollos, they, he labored in Ephesus. And, and you can find it in the Scripture, Acts chapter 18. They were all in Ephesus. And so there's, there's a church in Ephesus, and that's what we're speaking to, right? Is that, so so you, has anybody ever heard of Aquila and Priscilla? They were pretty well known. Everybody hears that name. They know them. They've heard of them at some point in time. And they were in Ephesus. They were laborers in Ephesus. Apollos was a laborer in Ephesus. And then you can look on, and I believe John the Beloved was uh, in Ephesus and spent a few years there in his elder age. You look at it, and I'm not going to get into it tonight. I don't got time. But this was a very blessed church is my point. It was a very blessed church, and this church was moving, uh, this church was thriving, this church was working, uh, this church was a sustaining church, and the Lord uh, was blessing this church uh, within and without. And so the same goes for us. Uh, um, It takes just that. It takes just those things, and in a practical sense, uh, this was the church that the Lord was in the midst of. Verse number 1, And the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he, Hold of the seven stars in the right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. What are the candlesticks? It's the churches. It's the churches. And so yet he still had to remind them uh, that they had lost their love and they had lost their recognition of him uh, in their midst. In the midst of everything that was going on, uh, in the midst of everything growing, uh, they had lost their love for God. Uh, they had lost their love for the Lord. And I'm just going to say, uh, it's easy to get comfortable Sunday in uh, and Sunday out. And this ain't just going to be a, a digging in the um, plow down uh, message or anything. Uh, um, but I'm preaching the Word of God. And I tell you, same old, same old mentality can get easy to live by. The Lord has said something to the, had something to say to this church of Ephesus here. Maybe he has something to say to Mountain Valley here. 
And I'm going to preach this thought, Ephesus, the church that wasn't what they were. Number one, I want you to notice the Lord looks at, He looks at a few things. He gazes over and He looks at their past choices. In verse number two, He said, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And so He goes through this and we'll walk it through, but Jesus, uh, the Lord here, begins His conversation as He's speaking to the churches. Uh, This is the first church He's speaking to. uh, And He begins the conversation here by talking uh, about all that they have right. They had some things right, to say the least, wouldn't you? We could read through them. We read through them already. But he gives them a words of praise. Words of acknowledgement. He says, I see it. He said, I know thy works. I know uh, um, thy works and I know thy labor uh, and thy patience. And now there's cannons not bear uh, um, them uh, that which are evil and all that. And so the Lord looks at them and he acknowledges their works. Now this church seemingly had accomplished much for the glory of God, wouldn't you say? They had Timothy. They had Priscilla Aquila. They had Apollos. John has come somewhere in there. They had Paul coming in there. They had probably some of Paul's fellow laborers uh, coming with him. They had people in Ephesus. uh, And they had done much for the glory of God. And they had seen the glory move. uh, And they had labored. uh, And this word means beating. It means pains. uh, And this church was laboring for the cause of Christ. And it was painful at times. And sacrifice was shown. They labored. But they had also been patient in that laboring. That word means endurance. It means consistency. It means a, a constancy. It means continuity. It means all those things. They were not just doing it Sunday and Wednesday, friend. But they were doing it every day. They were constant in the work of the Lord. And they had people that would work. They had people that were real. And this church is not a hangout, friend. This church is not a country club. They're working. Uh, They're laboring for the Lord. Uh, But this place here, uh, this place at Mountain Valley, uh, it's not that either. It's a place uh, where you come, where God meets with His children, uh, and a place to worship the King of Kings uh, and the Lord of Lords. Uh, That's what this place is. Uh, It's a place to worship Him for all that He is uh, and all that He's done. This is a place to learn uh, what we need out there. So we can teach people, lead people, and disciple people for the glory of God. And I'm telling you, I'm thankful for this church that will work. I am. I'm commending you. But I'm telling you, the Lord looked at them and He acknowledged their works. Then he goes down and read a little farther. He says, And thy labor, and uh, how thou cannot bear them which are evil. Uh, He acknowledges not only their works, but he acknowledges their walk. They were a people who were separated from evil. Remember, Ephesus was not a evil, was an evil place. It was a place of gods. It was a place of immorality. And they would not be a part of that. They said, I'm not doing nothing I have to do. Reminds me of a lot of missionaries who do have to go out on the field. Who do have to see the things that they have to see. uh, Who do have to do that. And they walked in a different walk even in the midst of darkness. And friend, that's still the same way today. Don't you know that? 
Still, it ought to be the same exact way. He demands we be different. We, were, we heard it earlier. The Bible says uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter um, number 6 and verse number 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I know you've heard it over and over, but as a pleasant reminder, I still believe God's people ought to be different. Yeah, man, I do. In our walk, in our talk, in our dress, our choices of entertainment, uh, in every other area of life, we're commanded to be different from the lost world uh, around us. That's the only way your light will ever shine. Let your light so shine before men. They may see your good works. Glorify the Father which is in heaven. I'm telling you, we, we must let our light shine. We learned about it around Sunday. Y'all need to hear it again, do you? How would the Lord think of you if you looked at your works, if you looked at your walk? Then he acknowledges that, and then he acknowledges their ways. He goes on, uh, and he says very clearly, And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles or not, and hast found them liars. Verse number 6, he says, uh, But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. It's their work, it's their ways, and the Lord looks at the doctrine, uh, and, he, and he's praising them uh, because they had it right. Thank God for people who have their doctrine right. And when it comes, I'm telling you, when, it, when people pass through this town uh, claiming to be men of God and they, they put them to the test uh, and if, they, if what they said uh, did not line up with what God's Word said, uh, then they were wrong for it. That's how it ought to be, amen. That's how it ought to be. They refused to hear them uh, and they refused to fellowship with them but, but they exposed them to be the liars that they are. That's what it says. Found them liars. You friend, the Lord also acknowledges them there in verse number 6. He acknowledges that they hate us the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, we cannot be 100% exactly what this means, but the word means, uh, Nicolaitan, it means destruction of the people. That's what it means. And some say that this could come from Acts chapter number 6 and Nicholas there in Acts chapter number 6. And can't. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But we cannot be so sure. But however, whatever deeds that Nicolaitans have, whatever deeds that they have at this time, in verse number 15, the Bible says, So has them also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So it goes with the belief, wouldn't you say? Something they believe in some way, shape, or form. And I tell you, friend, uh, uh, whatever, when the Lord hated the doctrine and the deeds of the Nicolaitans, uh, so did Ephesus. So did the church of Ephesus. And we at Mount Valley uh, must also keep our eyes open to false doctrine. There's a lot. There's a lot flying around right now. If you, uh, if you have a doubt, go to the Bible, friend. Uh, you can't believe everything you see on the internet and everything you see in TV. Uh, yeah, man, friend, I'm telling you. Uh, and those TV preachers don't know it most of the time. Just telling you the truth, friend. I'm telling you, if it does not line up with the Bible, the King James Bible, it's wrong. Simple. God said it, He meant it, and that settles it. Period. There's no what we can't put question marks on what God puts periods on. I'm telling you, they, God looks at them and He acknowledges their ways, uh, and He said, "You got good doctrine." And then, verse three, and has borne, has patience for my name's sake, hath labored and has not fainted. So God, He looks at them, and the Lord uh, looks at them and He acknowledges their wholeheartedness. Now, we heard it in a song, and I'm telling you, this went right along. 
And this is a church that according to the Lord has been, has been borne the load, has carried the load and endured much affliction with patience and they have labored hard and they had, they had not given in and they had not fainted. They had not done any of those things. The Lord commends them for that. They were steadfast. They were continually striving for the sake of the Lord and for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of God. They were doing it for Him. And so far, this church is what we want to be like. It is, wouldn't you agree? But it's going to take your whole heart. Can I just tell you? It's going to take your whole heart. It's going to take you being steadfast uh, to press on for the glory of God. And one of my favorite verses, uh, I'm a beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor's not in vain in the Lord. You believe that? Not in vain. When the Lord looks at us, I pray that He sees. I, I, I pray that's what He sees. He sees us being steadfast. We might not have the biggest crowd, but we're steadfast and we love the Lord. It's important. It's important. The Lord looks at their past choices. Uh, then the Lord loathes uh, their present compromise. He says in verse number 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. After the Lord acknowledges their good, He now steps into accusing. They're bad. Notice with me, would you? Once you notice, number one, Christ's painful moment. Christ's painful moment. He looks at them and he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee uh, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, now, they look up here, uh, and they look real great, and, and they look great one through three, uh, one, two through three. They look great, but there are problems within. Uh, they look great on the outside, but there's problems within. Uh, and the Lord lets them know uh, and that there is a personal matter uh, between Him and them. And it seems that he's grieved by the problems that he sees within this church. And understand this, friend. Uh, understand this first. Uh, this love wasn't for a girl. Uh, this love wasn't for a boy. Uh, and this love wasn't for a friend. It wasn't even for mom and dad. Uh, no, they left the Lord. You say, preacher, you're preaching this like you haven't left him. No, I'm preaching this because I've been convicted. Amen, friend. You need to hear it too, and I'm telling you, um, the Lord is saying here, uh, He's not saying you left them uh, or left the preacher, but He said, hey, you left me. You left me. Man, I'd hate to be the part of Ephesus that this considered was took place. This conversation took place. I'd hate to sit there in front of God and Him say, you've left me. I'd hate it. But if you've done it to Ephesus, why couldn't you do it to Mount Valley? What a saddening event. The Lord Christ's painful moment. Then we see, secondly, the church's problematic move. And he goes through and he says, you've left your first love. Jesus looks at these people whom he loves and whom he died for. And he tells them that they simply do not love him like they used to. He tells them that they've left their first love. They still have love. 
They still have all of that, but the deep, the fervent, uh, the real, the burning love that filled their hearts with passion uh, and that to serve Him uh, with all of their hearts has left. Left. They love their church. They love their church. They probably love their pastor. They probably love old Pastor Timothy. They probably love him. I just tell you, Mountain Valley, you can love me all day long, and I'm thankful for it. If you're not loving the Lord, you ought to. God help us. God help us, friend. I'm telling you, they love all that. They love the church. They love doing work for the Lord. But it seems they do not love the Lord like they used to. They love their doctrine. They literally are motivated to work for the Lord. But they're not, they don't love the Lord. Man, I'm telling you, this is tough. This is tough scripture. Because when the Lord was moving, and everybody, and the Lord was saving and we've seen people one week after the next week after the next week, and people was running, and people were shouting and all that. What happened? What happened? I'm telling you. They're busy, but their hearts no longer burn for him. The fire that used to burn so bright and is Hot, was hot uh, and, and just on fire for the Lord uh, is now just a low light. Vance Habner said, Revival is falling in love with Jesus again. I'm telling you, friend, we can sing, we can teach, we can preach, we can witness, we can give all that we have, uh, but we don't do it because we're supposed to, it, but we do it because we love Him. Amen. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. Our love is supposed to grow. Don't you agree with that? Uh, you know, I didn't love my wife as much as I do now when I married her. I didn't love my boys when they were born more than I... I love them now more than I did then. Two years ago, I loved Elisha when he was born. But I love him more now. Three months ago when Malachi was born, I loved him. But I love him more now. I love him more now, and love is supposed to grow, friend. Uh, and I love you folks more now than I did three years and two months ago when I started pastoring this church. I do, I do, but uh, I'm telling you, when the Lord looks down here at us, uh, is He saying to us, uh, you don't love me as much as you did? Wouldn't that break your heart? I'm telling you, it sure wouldn't mind. Uh, uh, your love, your love, uh, your love to Him ought to be emotional love. Not just feelings. Don't get messed up on that. Not just feelings, but it moves the heart. Uh, he loves me. He loves me. What? Can you remember? Can you remember when you first got saved? Can you remember when you first got saved? Can you remember how, uh, how, how, how you loved Him? Uh, uh, how, how much love you had for Jesus? Uh, and I thank the Lord for people whose love grows to Jesus. I thank the Lord for that. I'm not saying that none of y'all's loves grow. Every one of y'all's love might grow for the Lord. I'm not the Lord. He knows that. 
But I'm telling you, can you just remember how much you loved uh, um, Jesus? How much you loved His house? How much you loved His people? uh, How much you loved His Word? Can you remember how you prayed? uh, How you worshipped? How you lifted up your hands and praised to Him? uh, How you witnessed? uh, How you shouted? uh, How you testified? uh, How you done all those things and you cried and you wept uh, because He loved you? Can you remember that? Preach it with all my heart this evening. Just trying to give you my heart. What happened to that love? It should be an emotional love. It should be an extra love. I mean, really, you remember when you uh, were willing to spend money for things you couldn't afford for that little girl? Remember that? I do. I married her now. I still do. <laughs> I can't afford it, but I get it anyway. Not always. We're smarter than that, but I... You did it all because you loved them. That's, that, that's why you did it. That's why you did it. You'd buy them something real special just because you loved them. You'd go the extra mile with them. And you do that. And Mary, Mary over there in Mark chapter 5, I think it is. Mary, what'd she do? Um, she brought the alabaster box. And the Bible says that she did what she could. Uh, Everybody was giving her a hard time, but she did what she could. Uh, She went extra for the Lord. Uh, Why did she do it? Because she loved Him. Uh, She loved Him. Uh, Real love gives. Uh, Real love grows. Uh, Real love germinates. And it will will probably go over to somebody else, friend. Uh, And can you remember uh, when you did something extra for the Lord? When you love Him, you'll love others. All of them. All of them. I don't care if they've done something wrong, you still love them. Uh, and I'm telling you, the church of Ephesus, they labored uh, like they should, but they didn't love like they should. Uh, and if you remember how much you loved Him when He first saved you? Man, I've seen every person besides one in this room get saved other than the Florence family. Every person. And I remember your love then. I remember your love then. I remember your weeping then. Because you were scared. But God saved you from that. You don't have to be scared. Wouldn't you? Man, I'd much rather be happy now. I mean, I'm telling you, when I got saved, when I t- here's the thing. You know, in Luke chapter 15, we can look back there uh, and we could see in Luke chapter 15 uh, where, where there was uh, the prodigal son and the prodigal son, uh, all he wanted uh, to be, uh, have bread enough to eat. Uh, uh, just a, He just wanted to be a servant. But he come back and he got son. He was still the son. He got the fatted calf. He got all of those things. The ring, the robe, all the things. The ribeye, hallelujah. All the things that he needed, that he wanted, and that he did not, he neglected before he left. He didn't think he was going to get all those things when he was coming back. You didn't think you was going to get all the things you got when you got saved. All you thought uh, is that I'm going to get saved. Uh, I'm just going to miss hell. Uh, I'm just going to get heaven. Uh, but what about the friend that sticketh closer than a brother? Uh, what about the advocate? Uh, what about the one that we could call on at 3 o'clock in the morning uh, when we're burdened and we don't know who to turn to? Uh, wife's asleep. Husband's asleep. Uh, but we could turn to him. Uh, we got that when we got saved. We didn't know all those things. Uh, but that's why. What He gave us. And I'm thankful. But can you really say you love Him now as much as you did? Or do you love Him more? You don't worship Him like you used to. You don't talk to Him like you used to. What happened? 
God help me. In the church here, they labored well, but they didn't love well. They labored well. The Lord looked at their past choices. He looked at their present. He loathed uh, their present compromise. And then, thirdly, uh, the Lord lays out a promising uh, cure for it. He says in verse 5, He says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, repent. Repent. Repent, Jesus had not come to hurt them. He had come to help them. He had come to bless them. And He gives a word of acknowledgement at first. And He gives a word of accusation secondly. And now He gives them a word of advice. And He says, hey, this is what you're doing and this is how you're going to, what you're going to have to do to get it fixed. He advises them to remember. Verse number 5, He says, remember. Therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Remember it. Jesus calls on, on these people to look back, uh, to reminisce. Uh, he wants them to remember that, that moment when they came to know Him. Uh, he wants them to reflect on what He did for them. Uh, he wants them to recall uh, all the excitement uh, and all the emotion of those early days uh, with Him. Uh, he wants them to look back at that. Uh, and He wants them to look back at a time uh, when their love for Him motivated everything they did for Him. And beloved, sometimes it does us good to look back uh, at where the Lord brought us from. I'm telling you, friend, I remember my past life. Uh, I'm ashamed of it. I'm ashamed of it. I'm ashamed of it. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, uh, I know there was a God out there. Uh, there still is a God out there uh, who sought me out, uh, bought me out, uh, brought me out uh, for the glory of God. He done all of those things. Uh, and remember what He paid for? Do you remember what He paid for? You remember that sin you committed today? He paid for that. You'll never stand at the judgment seat of Christ and for Him to look at you and say that sin wasn't paid for. You'll never do it, friend. I'm telling you, remember the tears coming down when He saved you. Can you remember when you thanked Him for saving you? Can you remember when you testified that day? I remember it. I remember it. I seen it. And look at just look at it for a moment. Just think about it for a moment. You remember that day? That day? Now can you say you're still the same? You're still on fire. You're still in love. He advises them to remember. I'm telling you, I got a long ways to go. Y'all better than I am. I got a long ways to go. I don't love him near like I need to. Tell you the truth. I ain't going to tell you I don't love him more than I loved him when I got saved. Because I can't just say that. But the Lord's convicted me on my love to him. I'm telling you right now, my love should grow for Him. And there's a time in my life where I need to look back and remember it where He brought me from. He said, remember. And then He said, repent. He advises them to remember and repent. And He goes through to them and He says, the word repent here means to change one's mind, to reconsider. And the Lord is telling Ephesus that they need to repent of the sin of not loving Him. They need to search their hearts and they need to change their attitudes toward Him. Friend, I tell you, Lord, help us. Lord, help me. He advises them to repent, remember, and then He goes through and He says, and do the first works. He, he advises them to redo. Go back. Go back. They, they're told to start doing things like they used to do it once again when they, when they first got saved. 
And that's the key for revival, and it's the key for us as well, Fred. I'm telling you, I'm telling you tonight, the fervent love and the longing for the Lord to be in this church. I have a longing for the Lord to be in this church. I have a longing. Uh, there's been men come through here left and right, and it's all glory to God. Man, there's so much liberty in that church. How many times have you heard that? So much liberty in that church. But what if they come next time and say, man, there's not much liberty anymore? Just tell me. It's not what it used to be. And I'm telling you tonight, we need a move from God. And we need to get back to the old days, back to the Bible reading, uh, the burdens, the crying, the testifying, uh, the telling, the prayers, the preaching. Uh, we need to get back to that. Exactly how it used to be. He advises them to redo and he advises them on a little farther and he says... Or else. Would you like the Lord to say or else to you? My goodness. Or else. I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of this place except thou repent. I'm telling you tonight. I, I didn't just come in here just to just bang you over the head with anything. That's a good thing about preaching series because you can't say I'm just going to. Because we've been, you know, we've working up to this part. So, next week we're going to preach the next part. Can you believe that? We're going to start in verse number 8 next week. And there's going to be some serious things in that too. But right now, he's advising them about removing some things. Removing some things. And he, if they refuse to get where they need to be, Jesus tells them that he will be putting out their candle, their light. And by the way, you do study on history. I believe you did. I believe you did. You know why? Because they didn't repent. Because they didn't remember. Because they didn't redo. And I'm telling you, if you take a bad light bulb, are you going to put it back in the case with the good ones? Why? Why? You're going to throw it away? Right? Well, one writer said it like this. He said, a light bulb that won't shine ain't worth having. Isn't that what the Lord thinks about you know, bad light bulbs? Man, God help us. I'm telling you, friend, when a church stops shining and shining and stops to loving Jesus, uh, and when they stop being a light for the Lord, He'll take His power uh, and His presence and His touch uh, and He'll put it somewhere else. Man, I don't want that to happen. That grieves me to even think about. Beloved, it is important. It's that important. To love the Lord. It's that important. I don't want God to take away what we have here. It's that important. I'm closing. The Lord looks. I'm beginning to close. The Lord looks at their past choices. He loathes the present compromise. He lays out a promising cure. And then lastly, and I'm done. In verse 7 he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He does not leave them with a nail in their head. He does not leave them with a ball bat over them. But the Lord looks at them and when he does, he lectures them about a prize coming. 
A prize coming. We've heard our Lord uh, um, sit there and give them an acknowledgement and an accusation and give them uh, advice. Uh, but now we see Him give them words of aspiration. Uh, he's saying, hey, there's hope. Uh, there's hope if you'll repent uh, and if you'll remove. Uh, and if you will look at this, uh, there is hope. I want you to notice two things. The prize is attainable. To all. Jesus speaks to those who overcome. And we see again in verse number 11, verse number 17, verse number 26, chapter 3, verse number 5, chapter 3, verse number 12, chapter 3, verse number 21. He says in all churches, He says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh I will give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He says it all the churches, so there is hope for all of them. This is a real promise. It's a real prize. And that word overcometh means to conquer. It means to prevail. What do you think he's talking about? I think he's talking about prevailing over that sin. Prevailing over that sin of lack of love. I think he's talking about conquering the fault of them for lacking Christ and lacking loving Him and to get the victory over it all and win. And this verse implies that there will be those who do overcome. It says, to Him who overcome. It applies to me, there's some that will. And I believe in context, it's talking about those who remember, repent, and redoes. That's it. That person that does that will be rewarded. And those who realize and those who seek reconciliation, seek restoration with the Lord, will only come through those who repent. Will only come through those who remember. Will only come through those who redoes exactly. Telling you, my friends, this prize is attainable to all who seek it. It's attainable. And then this prize, not only that, is a it, 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 it's amazing for all. I'm done. It's amazing for all. Those who overcome will be able to experience something that others believers will not be able to experience. Doesn't mean they're not going to heaven. That's prizes. But they will not be able to experience the prize uh, of eating from the tree of life. Uh, they'll be able to eat from the tree of life. You say, what's the tree of life? It's the tr- same tree of life that was in the garden. I mean, it's telling you. It's the same tree of life. And whatever the fruit of this tree, I don't know. I, I, you can't tell. It's not an apple. I don't know about that. Because, but, but it's not an apple as we say it is. Uh, I don't know if it's banana. I don't know what it is. Uh, but I'm telling you, whatever fruit this is, uh, it can be counted as a prize to you. So it must be good. I'm telling you, whatever it is, it's, uh, it's probably amazing. And when Adam and Eve sinned uh, in Eden, back in, the, back in Genesis chapter number 2, as they sinned, uh, he was cast out of the garden uh, to prevent him from eating from this tree. And clearly, clearly, this is a pretty special gift to those who love him. I'd say it is. I'd say it is. Jesus uh, seems to be saying that those who love Him uh, the most uh, now will enjoy heaven the most. There's a lot there. And I'm telling you, God help us to love Him tonight, friend. God help me to love Him. Everybody's going to enjoy heaven, by the way. 
You go to heaven, you're going to enjoy it. If I see the face of my Savior, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. But he says there, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I'm going to ask you the title. Are you what you were when you first got saved? Are you more in love? Are you less in love? Have you lost your love? Luke chapter 10, I think it is. Martha was busy laboring. Mary was busy loving. Mary wasn't busy laboring. She was busy loving. The church of Ephesus was busy laboring. But they they had forgot about the business of loving. And I'm telling you here tonight, wherever you may be, the Lord can help. This is the church of Ephesus. This was a church that wasn't what they were. And I need the Lord's help in my life. And I'm telling you, I can say to you straight as an arrow tonight, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. But I don't love him like I ought to love him. Just being circumspect, just being honest with you tonight. I want to love him more. I want to fall in love with him all over again. Man, I'm telling you, I love the Lord tonight. He's been so good to me. And I don't ever want to stand in front of him and him look at me and say, Listen, you've labored, you've done all these things, you've worked. But I have something wild against thee that has left thy first love. God help us not, friends. God help us not. If you need to pray while I'm praying, you can do that. Open up the altar. If the Lord's dealt with your heart tonight, you can stand to your feet and we can you just pray as you need and then no rush to get out of here. Don't ever get to this point, friend. I don't want to ever get to that point for myself. I never do. Man, I'm thinking about a Lord that loves me so much that he sent his only son to die for me. Think about that Lord. Think of that Lord that's been there for me ever since the beginning. The Lord that's been there that has not left my side. That provides for me. Think about that Lord. Lord, I love you tonight. God, I thank you for the time you've given me, Lord. And I ask you, dear God, to please help me, Lord, in my life. Forgive me, Lord, for my lack of love. Lord, as I've, Lord, I do love you. I do love you. Lord, help me to love you more. God, I remember, I remember the fervor, Lord, and the zeal, Lord. Lord, as we're all been honest tonight with ourselves, that, Lord, I need your help. Thank you for saving me. Lord, thank you for the message tonight in the church, Lord, and their ears to hear it. Help, Lord, in the rest of this service. In Jesus' name.